Alrighty, Shalom Avracha, thank you so much for joining. A privilege to be able to learn with you and continue our series on the Tasha Rebbe's Tyra. We haven't learned from the Sefer Rebbe's Avodah in far too long. It's been a bunch of weeks, and so I'm very excited about jumping back into this special, special Limud, the Siyat Rishmaya with the help of the Master of the World. So we have a pretty lengthy piece, actually, for this week. But we'll try to get through as much of it as we can. One second. Yeah, we'll try to get through as much of it as we can. Um, but whatever we can is going to be mamish beautiful. Mamish, mamish beautiful. Okay, so let's dive right in. This week is Parsha's Yisro. And it begins with Yisro, Moshe's father-in-law, coming forth from a distant place. Not only... Physically, geographically far away from where Am Yisrael were encamped in the desert, newly freed from their slavery in Mitzrayim. But Yisrael comes from a distant place spiritually. Yisrael, we're told, as Chazal tell us, served every idol in the world. There wasn't one idol that Yisrael didn't worship. And over here he leaves his entire lifestyle behind. He was the priest, Kohen Midian. Even though, as we're going to see, he had already been separate from these behaviors for quite some time at this point, but be that as it may, it was still a tremendous leap, and we're gonna learn about the about the sacrifice that it took for Yisrael to come along and approach Am Yisrael. And what was the impetus for his approach? Say Chazal famously, Yisrael, the chief of Midian, the father-in-law of Moshe heard, he heard, and he approached. And of course Rashi points out, what does this mean he heard? What, what was it that he heard? Perish Rashi HaKadosh. Rashi, Rabbi Nachman describes as the brother of the Torah. Rashi has the distinction of being the brother of the Torah. There's not one Pasuk that you'll learn. There's not one Gemara that you'll, that you'll study that doesn't have its accompanying comment from Rashi. It's an incredible thing. Kala Kula. Rashi had something to say. Mamish amazing. Um, reminds me of a joke. They say that Rashi's daughter walked into uh, to the dining room one time where Rashi was sitting and working on his manuscript and she was wearing a new outfit that she had bought. And uh, Rashi looked up and he said, wow, it's a, it's a very strong blue in the, in, the, in the color of your skirt. And his daughter said, dad, do you have to comment on everything? <laughs> so Rashi commented on everything, right? Give out, right? So, so this was Rashi. There wasn't one thing entire that Rashi didn't comment on. Okay, so Rashi over here says that what did Yisra hear? Two things. Yisrael heard, and we're going to learn what hearing means, not just to hear with your ears, because many other people heard also. What was he listening for? What was the intentive uh, or, or attentive listening, that mindful listening that Yisrael was hearing when he heard about these two things? What were these two things? Kriyas Yamsuf, Umuchamas Amalek. It was the splitting of the Yam, and it was the battle with Amalek. The Diktigam Mafarshim and the Mafarshim point out, he brings from the Kliyakar, Va'oid, other Mafarshim as well, the commentators point out, Hala Yisrael Shamas Kolashar Asalikim Lamaisha Yisrael Amai. Yisrael had heard everything, Kimafurish Bakra. The Imkain Lama Daika Kriyas Yamsubu Machamas Amalek. Yisrael had been following this story for a long period of time. The whole world had been. These Makas that were coming upon Egypt and Am Yisrael's Exodus, long before Kriyas Yamsuf and the Machamah of Amalek, 
There were things going on that should have made Yisro realize, hmm, there must be a God in the world and he must have some sort of affinity to this particular nation. Might not be the worst idea in the world to join them, right? What was it that Yisro heard Dafka when these two things took place? A very foundational, elemental question. What was special about these two things that Yisro heard? that moved his heart so to the point that Lavei Almaishi decided to depart his place of, 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 of dwelling, his dwelling place, and to travel out to the desert. Yoyser Mishar kol more so than any of the other miracles that he had heard. He says, we can ask another question. What does this mean that Rashi says these words? He heard about the war of Amalek. Melchemes Amalek. So he says, It wasn't simply the fact that Amalek had attacked Am Yisrael that turned his heart to, to want to come out into the Midbar and join Am Yisrael. It was that Am Yisrael won. It was the victory of Am Yisrael over, over Amalek. So So why then does the Pasuk say he heard Melchemes Amalek, the war of Amalek, what should it rightly say, he heard about Amalek's downfall, and it was Am Yisrael's ability to vanquish this very powerful nation with the help of Hashem that caused Yisrael to want to come. So what's this Milchemes Amalek, the war with Amalek? Okay, so here he jumps into the answers. So it's brought in the holy works. When Yisrael heard all about the miracles, that were done for Am Yisrael, and not just heard, he was mitbonein, he contemplated, he focused upon them, he thought about their import for world history, and for him as an individual. Fascinating. It wasn't that he was listening to these miracles happening and saying, wow, God must be really powerful and strong. He already knew this. That God is, or may Elohim, that 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 God is stronger. That that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is stronger than all the other powers in the world. Because Rashi himself says on the pasuk Ati Adati Kigadol Hashem, where Yisrael says, "Now I know that God is great." Rashi reminds us, "Makiri Ha'isi Lishaavar." Yisrael had already known that before. He was already again. Following this story, there's another Rashi he's going to say in a minute that Yisrael had already been kicked out of Midian because he had forsaken the idols a long time ago. This wasn't when Yisrael turned, you know, 180 completely. It wasn't that. Rather, right, and, and he points out again, we find still in Parsha Shemais the Ace Hashem Moshe Rabbeinu Hitzalas Benoisa when Yisrael helped, uh, when Moshe Rabbeinu helped Yisrael's daughters by the well. Perish Rashi Hakadosh and he do who anshim midyan meetslam, right? Meetslam kiven shapir shlam yavadis kachavim. All the way back then in Parsha Shemois, a number of weeks ago, we find out that Yisrael had already been thrown out of Midian because he wasn't interested in partaking of idol worship anymore. So Yisrael had already known that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the Almighty, literally, the All-Powerful, the Creator of the Universe. This wasn't what he heard when he heard He had already known this a long period of time earlier. It was many, many years ago already. So then what was it? What did he hear? What was he listening for? 
Yisrael focused and he looked and he contemplated and thought about all the miracles that had been done for Am Yisrael. Because from that time that the initial miracles and the, and the, and the word about these incredible miracles started to spread, Yisrael stood, he says, this beautiful Lushan, with a tremendous measure of yearning, of longing. When's going to be the right time that I can make the move? There are people like this, even today. You know, Yisrael represents the Ger, okay, maybe Rus, you know. But Yisrael is the first, is, is that, you know, foundational um, persona of the Ger, somebody who comes from afar, joins the encampment of Am Yisrael. And oftentimes it's not like, you know, one Sunday afternoon everything changes. Sometimes it could be a long process, many, many years, a longing, a yearning, that sometimes, by the way, never materializes. And not because there's not enough yearning, but because circumstances don't allow it. I'm familiar of a, of a certain case of a person who lived in a very, very far away land, um, lived in Ireland, and still lives in Ireland. And his circumstances in life made it so that it wasn't feasible. It was well, he was well on in life. He's taking care of his 90-year-old mother. There's nobody around to help. And it's just, it's inconceivable for him to leave that all and to move to a place where there's a thriving Jewish community, you know, in order for him to go through the process. He's just not, it's not a thing. But he knows what the truth is. And Be'etzem, deep inside, he's, he's Bekili and Inayim, like Yisrael. Maybe he'll still get the, that opportunity, but I know that that's where his heart is. You know, and so here he describes Yisrael as having that kind of, that kind of yearning, that kind of longing. From that time that Yisrael let go of his idols, Amar Vihimtin, you know, people like get obsessed with things, you know, like he constantly spent his time Googling, researching. This was his thing. He loved Yiddishkeit. And he loved HaKadosh Baruch who created the world and all of these messages that were being communicated to Am Yisrael through Moshe Rabbeinu, even before Matan Taira, Yisrael was yearning for this. When would the right moment come? When he would be able to come to the encampment of Am Yisrael, to become one of them. And he says, he says over here, he knew that it was it would be when Am Yisrael left Mitzrayim and were ready to receive the Torah. Because outside of that, it would have been very, very difficult for him to join them while they were still in slavery or on their way out with all the tribulations and trials. Ultimately, when they're ready to stand by Harsinai and they're ready to become a nation, he says, Az He knew that then he would also have the opportunity to join them with the Kabul Itam as Allah Torah Mitzvah to receive alongside them the yoke of the Torah and the Mitzvah. So therefore says the Tashra, 
every nace and every miracle that Yisrael heard, hivit v'hizboinein, im yesh b'nace ze ezen nitzoitz oisimen shal kabbalah satar v'hamitzvah. He was looking out for miracles that were communicating a certain precursor, preparation for the giving of the Torah mitzvahs because that would be his sign when it would be time for him to join. Then he would know that this was the time and it was an indicator from on high that he could come forth. Lachain, therefore, the first simon that he heard was Kriyas Yamsov. What does Kriyas Yamsov have to do with the Torah? How was that a sign in any sort of way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was coming down, descending on our Sinai to deliver his mind to the world in the form of a scroll? Says the Tasha When Yisrael heard about Kriyas Yamsov, and, and again he reiterates, It wasn't just that he heard it, and this is so fundamental, this is so incredible. What does it mean to hear? What does it mean to hear in such a way that transformation happens? doesn't just mean having your ears listening so that information goes in. But it needs to be the kind of listening that's bound up with Havana, with a deep, deep understanding that's, that's connected to the heart. Ubaha lev maven. Bina liba, says the Zara Kaddish. It's the heart that understands. Halev maven, the Pasuk says. So it's not just intellectual listening, as we're going to learn in the Remez of Melchemes HaMalek in a minute. It's not just an intellectual kind of interaction with ideas. It's an open heart, like we say at the end of Shemona Esrei, Psach libi besarasach. It doesn't say open my mind to the Torah. It says open my heart to the Torah. Because this is the kind of Torah that can transform a person, that can give a person a foundation for a life filled with Kvod Shemayim. Kaloshan HaKasov, and he connects this to the, to the Pasuk, Ki Shemea Yosef, where the Pasuk says, the beginning of the Pasuk, that the brothers, the Shvatim, when they had come down to Mitzrayim, they didn't understand, whatever the, Pasuk, whatever the words are, Ki Shemea Yosef, that Yosef was listening. But says Chazal, not just that Yosef was listening, of course it's clear from context, they didn't understand that Yosef understood them. So Shemea can mean to listen, but it could also mean deeper to understand. Yisrael didn't just hear the news, he heard the news. Right? There's a difference. Some people can just scroll down the news feed and you know, review everything that's happening that day. And they hear the news. But then there are people that mamish hear the news. Meaning to say on the level of Bina Liba, on the level of what does this mean for me? What does this mean for the world? What messages can I take from this? Right? We hear things that happen all the time. But the question is, are we listening in such a way where our hearts are opened to all the hints that HaKadosh Baruch is sending us when things happen around us, right? When circumstances, uh, you know, when we go through things and when things go on, are we listening to the messages there? That's the Indian of Shmiya. That's the Indian of the Lev, right? See, he says over here, Yisrael understood the depth, the mashma'ut of Kriyas Yamsuf. Yisrael understood very deeply this wasn't just the splitting of a physical ocean. That the water split. Very famous Chazal. All the water split. Now we take that to mean that every person's cup of water that he was holding, every person holding a cup of water found a mini Kriyas Yamsuf in his cup. And that the Nile split, and that all the different irrigation ditches split. Every body of water split. That's what it means on a simple level. 
But the Heilige Tzadikim explain that it doesn't just mean the waters of this world. Chazal say, Ein mayim ela taira. Water means anything that flows from a high place down to a low place. It means the energy of the Torah. And so if all the waters in the world split, that's going to mean that the revelation of Torah and that ocean of Torah also similarly split to form a path so that Am Yisrael could venture through. This was in a way a, a, a Matan Torah that took place before Matan Torah. Like Chazal say in a different place, similarly, I'm surprised he doesn't bring it here actually, that at the time that Am Yisrael walked through the Yamsuf, even the most illiterate, uneducated person by the Yamsuf saw what Yecheskel didn't see, the Prophet. So we know that it wasn't simply that all the waters split physically, it means that all the waters spiritually opened up. And Chazal say that all the Shiva Rakim opened up. All, every aspect of concealment and barrier split. And Am Yisrael were given access. Nivku'u kol mayanas That at the time that Am Yisrael walked through the Yams of all the oceans of intellect opened up, split. In that moment, even before receiving the Torah on Har Sinai, they were able to go ahead and attain, maybe on a subconscious spiritual level, but their hearts became completely saturated with the waters, the life-giving, healing waters of Torah. Water is a reference and a symbol for the Torah. And this is what it means that the Yam split. Yam means ocean. But Yam, the letter Yud and the letter Mem, come together in the gematria of 50. Yud is 10, Mem is 40. That equals 50. We know that the realm of Bina understanding has 50 gates. Chachma has Lamed Beis Nesivas, 32 paths. Keser has Tarach Amudei Ar, has 620 pillars of light. And, and Bina has 50 gates of Bina. And so Yud Men, Yam, is 50, 50 gates of Bina. And what does that mean? That the 50, the Yam is split, it means the gates were open. And they were able to understand the very, very deep attainment of the Torah at that moment. So since Yisrael saw this, he understood he, he understood from this that it was, it was warming up. Things were warming up. It was getting closer and closer to the time that the Torah would be delivered to Am Yisrael. Aval Haven. But he understood from this, He understood that this was a level of Giloi, that Am Yisrael were Zochet to specifically because of their cleansing in Mitzrayim. Even though paradoxically in Mitzrayim they sunk to a very low level in a different aspect, of course, the Ritikunim that were taking place. How much Tikunim there were, what they went through was horrible, horrible, horrible. And it cleansed them. In a certain sense, it cleansed them. And so Yisrael said, if this nation is meriting such an incredible transformative access to the depth of Torah, it must be because of what they went through in Mitzrayim, and I didn't share in that. So 
he says, It was only the Messiris Nefesh that they underwent that gave them access to this incredible Gilui. And Yisrael understood he had no relationship with any of this because he didn't have that experience. He hadn't gone through all of these Nesiyonis being tested as to whether he would jump into the water and go until his neck before God splits it, ready to walk in with complete Amunah. Yisrael didn't have that experience like in so Yisrael said, okay, right now it must not yet be the time because this level of Torah, I don't have access to. Is there some other way that I do have relationship with that I can also access Torah? Yisrael wanted to know, is there another route? Is there another path? That even if a person isn't cleansed, and even if a person doesn't go through terrible challenges in life, that he's charged or she's charged with overcoming is there another way that I also have a relationship with Tyra? Says the Tasher, It was only when he heard about the battle with Amalek. He heard this, not just heard it, news of it, read a headline. He mamish heard it. He understood what the mashma'us was, what the import of this war was. Who caused specifically that Amalek should come and attack Am Yisrael before Matan Torah? Because Hakadosh Baruch Hu was attempting to demonstrate to Am Yisrael. That if we are going to have access to a Matan Torah, if we're going to be able to experience a revelation of clarity in our lives, it's going to be in accordance, in the same measure, to how much we're battling our inner Amalek. How much we're sacrificing, how committed we are, how much we're really genuinely attempting to uproot those desires from within us, to overcome. In that measure, the person will merit to have an influx of clarity, an influx of understanding. Yisra said, if this is also a path, he says, I have shaykhus with this also. Yisra also had a shaykhus with that kind of avoda. Yisra had already toiled and he was in the process of working to eradicate all the, idol, the idols that he worshipped and all of that loneliness. He was, he was upgrading his life and he was in the process of moving away from that. He understood what this meant to battle in inner Amalek. Not just avoda zara, right? Which is literally idol worship, but essentially any avoda, so anything that we're involved with that's not an avoda of essentiality, what we refer to as the princess oriented traits of, of youth and essence, right? At our core, we are holy. Things that aren't shaykh to us, what are they called? Zaris, right? We refer to them as impure, improper thoughts or desires, they're foreign desires. They are, they, they, they exist out of the boundaries of our straight and narrow path of Alekim, Asa, Adam, Yashar, and the Hema, Bikshich, Hashbanez, Rabbim, in all different ways we're seeking different paths, different thoughts, different impulses, right? 
So that means that any avoda that's not that, that's not essence, is called an avoda zara. It means that we're in the service of those elements of our lives that are extraneous to our true identities that are rooted in the world to come, not in this physical world. This world is the facade. We're charged with unveiling the spirituality from beyond the facade of this physical world, but this physical world is not where we belong. And so in as much as we remain bound to those elements, it's avoda zara. It means we're serving something that's not essential. And Yiddishkeit is about refining the essence and enabling us to infuse the six suns, six days of the week, with the spirit of the essence, which is the princess, which is Shabbos. That's what Yiddishkeit is all about, to help us further and further and further get in touch with our true identity and start to live that way with great self-sacrifice and it's a lifetime's work. But this is what we're called upon to do. And as much as we're not doing that, we, we, we don't have to be serving idols, chas v'shalom. I don't know anybody who does. But Abayda Zara is more prevalent in our lives than we think. Because there are areas still in our lives where we are kafuf and subjugated to those things that fall outside the boundaries of our path of yashras, right? We have to be very wary of that. So Yisra got that. He understood this. All these negative traits and tendencies and reactions and frustrations and anger and, 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 and jealousy and, all, and, and you know, anxiety and, and, and lack of emunah, all of these things. Yisra was on the path of subjugating them, breaking these midas. The Shina is called Drachav. He had changed his whole life. From walking in the direction of death to walking in the direction of life. It wasn't enough for him to hear Kriyas Yamsev, although that served as an indicator that it was coming, you know, he packed his bags. I mean, it was time to go. But that wouldn't have been enough because he wasn't sure that he was still going to have Shaykhis to Matan Torah just from that alone. But when he heard Melchemes Amalek, he said, I got this. That's something I could commit myself to. When it's circumstantial, and when it relies on me having had a certain experience that falls outside the boundaries of my control, what can I do? I wasn't born a Yid. I wasn't, I wasn't in the slavery of Mitzrayim. I wasn't taken out and sent to the Yamsuf. What can I do? So then I don't have a Shaykhis with Torah if it's all reliant on circumstance. But the incredible chizik here is that there's another derech of Torah that has nothing to do with the circumstance, even if it's a positive circumstance, even if it means that we're outfitted with a very, very uh, uh, you know, fertile mind and the ability to understand things or remember things, right? Or we can understand it. We realize no, there's a whole other derech to Torah that has nothing to do with any circumstance, not a circumstance that require a challenging circumstance that requires you to show Messias Nefesh or a very good circumstance that makes it very easy for you to learn. That's not that's not the derech. There's another way. And that other way is reliant on how much we're willing to commit. And when Yisrael heard that, he said, I also have a chilek. I also have a chilek in Matan Torah. What did Yisra hear? See this sentence? It includes those two things. Yisra was listening out for two kinds of events, essentially. One, that the time was approaching when he would go ahead and join Am Yisrael, which was, of course, the symbol of Kriyas Yamsuf, and She'ef Shuloi Lovelis Not just it was the right time, but that he could. He had a shaykhus with this. 
Kriyas Yamsu for Mohammed Amalek. He saw again that Am Yisrael had experienced a revelation of Torah at the Yamsuf. Things were starting to happen. The clouds that would ultimately produce the Arafel, which sat atop Harsinai, were beginning to gather together. He, he felt that the storm, the holy storm, the incredible storm, it was brewing. Things were moving. And then he saw that in order to access this, it has little to do with how much circumstantially works out for us, both Latoiv and Lamutav. And he realized it's all tali on the person. The more that we're working to eradicate this Amalek, and it's easy to read words off a paper, but to really do it is not so easy at all. It requires a tremendous amount of toil. If it were easy, there would be no purpose to the human enterprise. Hashem has angels that never heard the word Amalek in their life, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends us down to the world, La'avda Shamra to work, to toil in this garden. It's not easy, and there are plenty of weeds, and it takes a long period of time and many long years of toil and yearning and crying to Hashem and not giving up. And it's challenging, and it's struggling, and it's a struggle. Am Adam Amal Yulad. This is what we were born to do. And so don't be discouraged if we haven't yet gotten there. We're working on it. We have to remain conscious of it, to know at least what our goals are and to make conscious efforts toward reaching those goals. But it's reliant on every person. That's what Yisrael understood from Melchemes Amalek. Rashi doesn't tell us that Yisrael heard that Amalek had been vanquished, but rather he heard about the battle. That it's not necessarily dependent on eradicating Amalek, it's the battle. It's the commitment to fighting, to being aware of what it is within us that needs to be tamed, that needs to be channeled, elevated, transformed. That he also would be able to go ahead and have access to this kind of derech that would lead to our Sinai. Says the Tashareva, never too early to start preparing for Purim. We have these two Chaburas, by the way, I don't know if the Chaburah knows these two Chaburas, the men's and the women's, that are learning Torah Yud now in the Kutamaran. So we had already two Shir, and Be'ez Hashem, next week, Tuesday, is Shir number three. It's not too late. There's only one shear a week, so you could really listen, you know, you can listen easily to two shear before this coming Tuesday if you want to join. Um, we'll send you the information, Be'ezer Hashem. But we're learning Rabbi Nachman's Torah lesson, even though it's still like nine, ten weeks before Purim. But ultimately, we have to start preparing. We have to start preparing. And so over here, the Tashareba has Purim on his mind. He says, we find the same thing with the Mace of Purim. It was Dafka when Am Yisrael battled with Haman and were able to eradicate that element of Haman and his sons and hang them through that they had gathered together and they had gotten together men, women, and children and they wore sackcloth and ashes and they fasted and they were able to go ahead and wipe out the Amalekim it was in that moment, that moment in time, 
when their hearts became filled with a similar inspiration and a similar siyata deshmai to be able to receive the Torah anew, not just mitzidam, that they got to a place where hadar kibluah, but it means to say there was a new giloi from above. There was a new kriyas, there was a new, yeah, kriyas yamsuf, right? Yam, yama chachma, the 50 gates of bina. There was a new opening, channeling of Torah into the world at that time, says the Tashareba, one was reliant on the other. Just like the first Matan Torah in this week's parsha happened as a result of Am Yisrael battling Amalek. And what that means for each and every one of us is that in accordance with how much we toil to eradicate the Amalek within, that's how much we're going to have access to the Harsinai and to the Kabbalah Satorah in our own lives. So too, before the second acceptance of the Torah, which is Hadar Kiblua. Chazal say, like the Pasik says, Hadar Kiblua Kimu the Kiblua Hayyhudim. Hadar Kiblua Bimeachashverish. They received the Torah anew. Whether now they received it out of Ava, now they received Tarshvapeh, the different Mahalchim of what that reacceptance was, it had to be preceded by battling Amalek. Because it's in accordance with how much we're engaging in this battle doesn't say how much we're emerging victorious, although obviously that's part of it, right? But the battle, he didn't hear about Amalek's downfall. He heard about Melchemes Amalek. If we're actively battling and we actively care and we actively are yearning and we're davening to HaKadosh Baruch and we're taking the necessary steps practically, in accordance with that, that's how much we're accessing the light of Purim, the light of a new Giloi, the light of a new understanding. V'chein b'chol dar v'dar. And it's this way in every generation. It's when a person works and a person toils and it's hard and it's challenging, but a person works to eradicate the chilek amalek that we have within amalek. Of course, any one of a million negative oriented, you know, negative traits. Amalek is gematria suffolk. It's the doubt. It's the lack of confidence. It's the lack of clarity. It's the lack of, 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 of commitment. Wishy-washy, not being able to hold on to what we refer to in the story of the lost princess as a makom, our place, not to give up. But this whole thing of doubt, this whole thing of ridicule, of cynicism, is also Amalek, Amaleki. Amalek is associated, like we say in the first chapter, with coldness, krirus. All of this is Amalek. The more that we're battling with Amalek, and I believe that this sheer and showing up every week to listen and to learn these Torahs together is part of the is part of the battle. It means to say we're people who are in the Malchama of Amalek. We may not succeed all the time, but we, we, we care about this stuff. We're putting in the time. We could be doing any one of a million things. What a limutzchus on us. What a tremendous thing that we set aside time to learn together. It's it's Mavil Ryan in 2022. It's just unbelievable to think about. And Hashem is so, so proud of us. He's, so, he's got to be. He's mamish got to be. How proud he is. Because we're engaged in this battle. We're people who are battling Amalek. We're trying to battle Kriris. We don't want to live lives of just rote, you know, just uh, surviving. We want to be alive, alive, awake, feeling, vibrant, filled with energy, filled with light. And that's battling Amalek. Amalek is Suffolk. Amalek is Kriros. Amalek is Doubt. Amalek is six sons devoid of a princess. We want the lave because God wants the lave and we want him. Right? And so that's what we're trying to battle. So all the while that we're fighting with this spirit of Amalek, Zoyche, she is Gala Belibay Or HaTayr. 
the light of the Torah, true Kabbalah Satoira, is going to then be revealed in our hearts. Learning Torah of any kind, any area of the Torah, there's so much to learn, like we always say. It's not like learning another wisdom. Learn linguistics, you know, you learn engineering, you learn history, you learn arithmetic, you learn, you know, trigonometry. It's not like other chachmas. All the other wisdoms, there's no prerequisite to engaging and trying to learn them. Every person can attain them. You buy the necessary textbooks, you invest the necessary, well today it's, you find the right YouTube video, right? And you sit and you, and you set aside enough time, you'll learn. It's Chachma, anybody, anybody can learn it. But he says, He says, learning Torah is not just about learning Torah. It's not just about opening up a safer, opening up a book and reading. Or, or rather, it's only reliant on this that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gives us the Torah. Am Yisrael did not discover a scroll somewhere in the desert that they then picked up, all gathered around and started to read. Parenthetically, it's interesting, there are a lot of different explanations given in different svarim as to why it's the nature of the Jew to shuckle, to shake back and forth when we learn. Right? Everybody has different interpretations. I believe that the uh, the is the, the says this. We had it in one of our one of our series of Hasidas daily. Um, was the Bradichra the Meshilah? Can't remember now. Who says that it's because that flame of Harsinai is still in us and it's sh- and it's shaking us? We had to, a natural thing to shake, just like we shook then, just like a flame flickers back and forth. Narrowly Kim Nishmasadam. But I saw a much more pragmatic example, reason given in the Kuzari, and I'm sure there are many. I'm sure they're all true, many different levels. But he says an amazing thing. He says that back in the day, they didn't have scrolls for each person to study from. He says all the students would stand in a circle. They had the scroll sitting on the floor, not on the floor, they put something in, you know, a towel or a rug or something, and they placed the scroll on it, and each one got a chance to learn. And when they learned, when it was their turn, because they were standing in a circle, each one would have to bend over to read it. And then when he was finished, he would stand up, and they would turn the scroll a little bit. And then the one standing next to him would bend over to read it. Then he would stand up, and they would keep on rotating the scroll around this circle so everyone would get a chance. And so this is why we bend over when we're learning, because that's how they that's how they learned back then, right? Hundreds, thousands of years ago. Interesting, interesting thing. But Al Kalpanim, we didn't just bend down, find a scroll in the desert, and start reading. We refer to the Torah anytime we refer to our getting the Torah. We refer to it as Kabbalas Hatayra. The learning of Torah must be bound with a broader context in which we are not only learning it, we're receiving it, which implies it is being given to us in that moment. And when you just discover a scroll somewhere, nothing else remains but simply opening, unfurling it and reading what it says. But when you're receiving something from another party and that party is going to be giving it to you, things are much more complex. Because that means to say that there are going to necessarily be prerequisites to this transactional relationship, right? It's going to be prerequisites. 
How are we able to receive? How is he able to give? How can we maintain an openness between us that would allow for the channel to remain wide enough open that a Kaddish Baruch Hu can send forth and send through all of this incredible Shefa? He says the Torah doesn't need to be learned. It needs to be received. Hashem reveals the Torah to us. Like we say every morning, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who actively teaches us the Torah as we sit to read from a Sefer. Which means Hashem is doing this right now. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is teaching us. As we're trying to learn this piece, means HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving it to us in accordance with how much our hearts are open to receive it. Hashem is the great teacher. He's teaching us Torah, not whoever we think is teaching Torah. It's Hashem teaching. We're reading it, blessed are you, source of blessing. That is noisein ha-Torah, that actively, not nosan, that one time gave us the Torah, but that gives us the Torah each and every moment. To the person that zocha for the Torah as Torah, not as information, but as Torah, as guidance, as transformational teachings that are going to be that that are going to enable him to truly hear it, havana, not simply to hear it on the level of it going into one ear and oftentimes out the other ear, but to be maven that it should become a part of us. It's going to rely on how much we're ra'wi. And how much we're fit for this. And that's why we daven each and every day. Ah, beautiful. The same Billy Benu Bina Lahavin Ulahaskil Lishmoya Lilmaid Ulalamid. Like we daven, Rabbanu Shalom, give our hearts Bina this kind of intuitive, deep understanding. Lahavin Ulahaskil. That the Torah shouldn't simply be words on a page that I read, but every word is speaking to me. And it's not that the words themselves are speaking to me. I see them as little masks for you. You're speaking to me, Rabbi Shalila. You have a relationship with me. I have a relationship with you. To truly deeply understand what is being learned. To really listen, like Yisrael listened, right? To learn and to be able to teach, like we always talk about. There's so much more than just intellectually learning. Can you imagine a person saying this about learning geometry? No such thing, right? It doesn't happen. You can't even talk this way about anything else in the world. They're wisdoms. Our eyes should be lit up by learning about Montesquieu and, you know, and, and the, the Alaskan War of 2012. I made that up. There was no war in Alaska. Maybe ever. I don't know. But the hiring name with this, our eyes can't be lit up with this. This doesn't light up our eyes. We don't need to dive in that our hearts should be open to intuitively take in this information. It's words on a page. But all you tefillahs rabbis kehelu. And so many other tefillahs that we're able to dive in about Lima Atayra that is qualitatively different completely than any other study in the world. And he proves it. He says again, if a person would be able to learn Torah like all the other Chachmas, what are you davening for exactly? 
Yikari kol mesechtes hashas arbe chalki shulchan arch bechulei v'yedus kol atarkula. Start reading. Open up a open up a, an art scroll if you need it in English. Open up a Gemara and start to read. It's all open. It's all accessible. V'yedus kol atarkula. You'll know the whole Torah. No, but elavadai. What's certain is shekadei lik nice es hatayra to acquire the Torah to make it ours, not just to learn it, but to make it part of us. Like David Melech says, "V'sayroscha b'soich mei Your Torah became part of my intestines, like in my in my belly. It became part of me. In order for that to happen, nitzach siyata deshmaya, siyata deleila. That means that I'm not, I don't just suffice with reading the words of Tyra. I want to receive the Tyra. And if I'm going to be receiving the Tyra, it needs to be given to me. And in order for it to be given to me, Hashem needs to be a part of my life. That HaKadosh Baruch is revealing the Tyra to me. And teaching it to me. That's how I want my Tyra. And I won't suffice with Tyra just being words on a page. I want every Mishnah Brewer should be Hashem talking to me. It should be Bahir. It should be clear. My heart should be open to it. I should be able to apply even those dinam that aren't applicable to find Ramaz in there for my avoid something else. The says, Our teachers, our grandparents, I don't know exactly which Tzadik is referring to here. The Talmidav. But the, uh, the forebear of the Tasha Rebbe would constantly, when teaching over to his grandchildren and to his students, he would say this in Yiddish, Shimon will correct me if I'm getting this wrong, he says, the Torah is nishkain kentinus. Is that how you, uh, you, you, uh, you um, pronounce it, kentinus? comes from the word ken, right, to understand. Right, I think. You don't even know? Okay, we'll both learn a new word today. I think it's ken, kentinus. It can't be kentenus. That sounds like antenna. It can't be. Kentenus, right? The Torah is not kentenus, which means information. It's not about kenning. It's not, it's not about something you know. Pirish. It's not just information. We've got to dive in before we learn. Say, Master of the World, I don't just want to know information. I don't want to be a Talmud Chacham. I want to be one with you. And that takes work. That takes work. He says even a deeper Havana in this. He says we'll bring what's brought in the holy works. Every single Jew has a, has a special, special area of Torah that's specific to our soul. Chapter 5. To find our own derech in Torah. Each of us have that. Like the tzaddikim, I believe it's it's rooted in a megale amukas. Many tzaddikim bring this remez ki Yisrael neitrikan. This world Yisrael can be seen as a mnemonic, which eth, with each letter, refer uh, standing for a word, famous yesh shishim riboy oisios latayra. There are six hundred thousand letters in the Torah. The Rashi tables of those words spell Yisrael, the Jewish nation, because this is our essence. We're rooted in these letters. Mushrashim. Behind what this means is Kishishim Riboy Sharshinishmas Yisrael, the six hundred thousand root souls of the Jewish nation, Mushrashim Bishishim Riboy Oskisatara are rooted in these unique letters. Each one has its own letter, its own shower, its own gate, its own chalak. 
Therefore, in as much as we're going to be able to access our chilek in Torah, but truly, truly to bring it into our heart, to open ourselves up deeply and become transformed by it, we're going to first need to reveal the letter of Torah we have within, in order so that the Torah within can embrace the Torah without. And in, do, in so doing, then we can open a channel and the Torah can flow into our deepest, deepest core, into our deepest essence. He says we're not able to do this by ourselves. This can only be done by Hashem. We need Hashem for this. He needs to be a part of the picture. It's not just information off a paper that we can simply pick up and read even if we have the best English translation, it doesn't work this way. The alzem is spabbled, and we're davening to the master of the world. Don't just allow me to learn. Give me my chilek. Give me my portion. She is Reveal that portion of Torah that's reliant on my own and that relates to my own soul. But all of this all of this ability to receive a Torah that is actively given, that Hashem should be part of the picture, is only in as much as we constantly work to remove the barriers that prevent HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light from shining into our lives. What's the primary barrier that prevents Hashem from being part of our lives? The primary barrier is arrogance. Chazal say, a person who's a Balgaiva, a person who doesn't live with the consciousness of someone above, who's guiding, who's helping, who's assisting, without whom we can't lift a finger. Hashem says, I can't dwell with such a person. What's a primary expression of Gaiva? is sin. All sin is rooted in Gaiva. All sin is rooted in a, a feeling that what I want is more important than what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. That means to say that there's, there's a shtick arrogance in that, right? And so, crazily enough, if we are to allow HaKadosh Baruch Hu to dwell in our lives in such a way where He can then serve as the Noisen HaTayra, where He can then open the floodgates, that flow, of, and, the, and, and, and that shvil, that path that flows between the letter inside and the letter in the Torah that's shayach to me, and my chelik in Torah, and to open the har inenu, to illuminate my eyes with the Torah, we have to be battling the Amalek that's constantly putting up walls. We have to remove those walls if we are to make HaKadosh Baruch Hu a part of the process. So it's all in accordance with how much we're working to battle Amalek. We're working to purify our souls with our Avoida Zara, much like Yisra. Any Avoida that we're doing that's essentially zar. All these extraneous desires and wills and traits. That we toil, that we toil over Torah. That we don't just, you know, haphazardly one day we learn, one day we don't learn. We have siddharam and even when we're tired, even when it's hard, we set goals for ourselves. We, we commit ourselves to reach them. Because that itself, when we go ahead and we work hard, we're going to see that it becomes easier. The harder we work in Kedusha, the easier it becomes to battle Tumah.
it will then be revealed that level of Torah that's shaykh to his own soul. He says parenthetically, each of us also have our own root in Sefer Tehillim. We discussed the, the, import, the importance of saying Tehillim in previous year in this series, but it's the same thing. Because we know, and we've learned this in the past, that the five Sfarim of the Torah parallel the five Sfarim of Tehillim. And so if each of us have a Chelik in Torah, we also each have a Chelik in Tehillim. He says that there was a story, the Chassid said, over oh, Amazgar Kayyib Eretz HaKodesh, this Chassid now lives in the Holy Land. He had grown up in the city of Munkach. When he was born, during labor, his mother was having a very, very difficult time giving birth. And it was a prolonged labor, very painful, very, very, you know, she was very distraught. And the father, meaning this Yitz father, there, while the mother was in a prolonged labor and having a very, very hard time, and it was a dangerous time of Sakana, he ran to the Rebbe. He ran to the Tzadik, Rabbi Sochar Beresh of Zidichayv, Shchusya Gnalinu, Bal Mechaber, say from Malbush L'Shabbos V'yantiv, Sheyenechte Agadol, Shal Rabbi Kodesh, Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac, Zidichayv, Shchusya Gnalinu, who this Tzadik was a descendant of Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac, Zidichayv, who ultimately later went on and moved his Hasidic court to the city of Munkach. So the tzaddik said to the father, You come with me, let's sit down and let's say Tehillim together and let's try to awaken the mercy of a Kodesh Baruch Hu and, and clear up any judgments that are preventing the baby from being born in an easy and smooth way. And they began to recite, from the beginning of Sefer Tehillim, Kapitol Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalit, reading through, Ad Achar Kapitol Lamaches, until they got to the end of Kapitol Lamaches, Az Amar Rabbeirishol. Then the Rebbe said, Atanoylo v'chaben l'mazeltav, everything's fine. The child is born now. The Hizbro, the Hasbrolaya Inyan, and he explained, Kilachol Yehudi Yeshayrish b'Sefer Tehillim. Every Jewish root soul has some root within Sefer Tehillim as well. And he says, this new child that was being born, his root soul was at the end of Kapitol Lamarches. When we said this Kapitol, we revealed the source of his soul, and the soul was then able to come into this world. Pili plays. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Skula. Next time, right? We should all have smachot and, and children, grandchildren, siblings, and you know, friends. We should hear of children being born. When we're saying Tehillim, we should have this in mind. You never know. You've got to take every letter very carefully because you don't know which letter you say. That's the Shorish and the Neshama that's drawing it into the world. Amazing stuff. How much amazing. This Jew told it over to a very good friend of his. That whenever he's saying Tehillim, have him in mind when he says because that's his root. Because that's where he's rooted. Going back to what we've been speaking about, and here we come in to, to, to the end. 
quite encouraging that we could learn such a long piece in an hour. I did not think we'd get to the end. So Baruch Hashem, we had Godspeed. Namish. Returning to what we have been speaking about. If we are going to access the chelik of Torah that's shaykh to us, and I just want to point out again, see how much sweeter long pieces are. Short form content is nice. You read a quote and it's inspiring. You read a short... But this is, it's a whole world. It's a whole, it's so much, to me at least, I don't know, I, it's so much more delicious when you can learn a whole piece, the shlemus of an Indian, having learned so many different sweet points, they all come together. It's a different experience. I really think it's a different experience. That's why it's so encouraging that this is, you know, in, in, in as much as this is the generation that's everybody knows, you know, the social media generation, no patience, everybody's, you know, such a short attention span. It's also the podcast generation, and podcasts are, are pretty long. They're generally 45 minutes to an hour, and people are pounding podcasts. Like, people have longer attention spans than we would ordinarily think. We just need to give them content that they're interested in listening to for an hour, right? That's the important part, but people are, people are ready to listen. It's very encouraging. It really is. This generation is not as hopeless as we think. I think on the contrary, I think we've hit like an inflection point where people are starting to return to this kind of content and in-person experiences instead of virtual. Like, like people want to be people. That, that the end of the day, that's what people want. You know, so we can only push virtual on them that far. Ultimately, it's not as exciting as it was, and people want to, they want to really live. Mom, they should really live the MS. So what an amazing thing. So he says again, returning to what we have been speaking about, it's going to be dependent on how much we're battling Amalek. And he says, we see this. We see this in our own experience. When a person gives him or herself over to the study of Torah with all of our being, here he says it in a similar way. And you learn for three or four hours. Even if you're not physically comfortable, you're tired, it's late at night, you're hungry, you're thirsty, but you push forth. You commit yourself to a goal. And you shut off the phone and the distractions and you sit and you learn. You just learn. That's it. And you put your whole being into it. Not for top five minutes, not for ten minutes. For a few hours. You're going to begin to feel a surrounding light that comes down and envelops you. And you'll feel like Rabbi Nachman says so beautifully in Sikh Zoran, how exciting it is and beautiful, he says, when the Torah expresses its love for the Jew. When the Torah starts to whisper to you its secrets. And you start to see things. Things start to connect. You understand things very deeply. And ah, gates open up of understanding. There's nothing more beautiful than that. And that's a result of Mesir Snefesh. And of battling Amalek. If the person had just been learning, maybe even the same thing, but only in accordance with what his body was comfortable with, after a good night's sleep, in a full stomach, and he's like leaning, you know, on his very comfortable seat, right, while he's learning, you might learn the information, but the taste of Torah, the aura of Torah, the light, of Torah, you won't feel it. You won't acquire it for it to become a part of you. 
He says, this is really the essence of why so many people don't succeed. And when they don't ever taste the sweetness. He says, this is where the problem is. Got that right, Shimon? How am I doing? Yeah? Because they don't understand this very counterintuitive thing. People are conditioned, particularly in Western culture, particularly in the modern age, we're conditioned to think that the easier things are, the more pleasurable they'll be. And we're coming around as a society to realize that that is not only not true, it's the opposite of the truth. I think there's a very famous YouTube channel that has this, uh, it has this uh, slogan, Seek Discomfort. It's a whole movement. Seek discomfort, to dafka go, and to dafka put yourself in uncomfortable situations. That's where life is. That's where living is. It's dafka when we don't seek the easy way out because that leads to just emptiness. Just leads to emptiness. Might be much easier. You can kick your feet up, but how long can you sit on a beach for before feeling like you're just an animal and not maximizing your humanity? How long? We all need vacations. But it's the work that makes you feel like you're developing and you're, you're moving. And that's, what, that's the feeling that we're after. And it can't be replicated with easy uh, methods. It, it can't be. So he says, We don't understand this foundation. You do not acquire Torah like you acquire or learn or become proficient in another discipline. It's when we are yagea, when we toil in Tyra. And on the surface, on the face of it, it looks like, well, why would I want to put myself in such a difficult circumstance? But that's where the light is. It's a derech arucha shikitzara, right? It seems like a very long way, but it's much shorter than the other way, than the other alternative where you'll never get there. To really toil over it. Sacrifice for it. Commit yourself to it. It's only on this condition of a Melchemes Amalek, the battle with Amalek that takes place both before the first Matan Torah as well as pre-Purim with, with the new Giloi. It's got to be a, destroy, a battle with Amalek. And that's the condition. That's what it said to the very end of the parsha. Do not walk up the mizbeach on steps. The mizbeach had to be a ramp, very, very deep. If you want to get onto the Mizbeach, meaning to say, you want to access tools that will bring you closer to Hashem, Veloshen Karban. Karban is a Karban which brings us close to Hashem. Loisala Bimalas al Mizbechi. Gaiva will not get you there. You can't go up with Gaiva. Without a broken heart, without sincerity, vulnerability, openness, without that, you can't get there. Loisala Bimalas al Mizbechi. Because this is just a revelation of our essential embarrassment. Like we bring in, 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 uh, in the story of our lives, how embarrassing it is, essentially. That king who sits with his crown in the palace of the no good one. Rabbi Nachman says, It's foolish. Because if we're aware that really the covet, everything is coming from him. He is the master of the honor. 
then really our own covet becomes shameful. It's, it's a bizayin. It's not something that's respectable. It's a bizayin. We're not going to be able to go ahead and to access success and to attain success in our Torah and our Avodah. So how then can we merit this? And with this we're finishing. It's when we subjugate ourselves to it. When we commit ourselves. To work to battle with that spirit of Amalek within then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will reveal to us that portion of Torah that's associated with our soul and will experience Kriyas Yamsuf and will experience this Galus of Harsinai of Matan Torah and this is how we're going to be able to access the true experience of learning Torah not simply as intellectual information that we take into our minds but as this experience of being Kona the Torah acquiring it making, making a part and parcel of who it is that we are very deeply inside. Bezar Shemishibizaicha to walk this path. Remember, it didn't say that he heard the Mapalas Amalek, the victory over Amalek. He heard Melchemes Amalek. We may not be able to win every battle. We need to commit ourselves to the fight, to not give up, and to make sure that our lives are lived on this battlefield. Sometimes we'll win, sometimes it'll be less well, it'll be less, you know, powerful our victory. But we don't, we don't, we don't lapse in our awareness of how important this battle is. That's the essence of true living. We should be zeichah to seek this comfort in this holy way and thereby experience the tamgan eden in learning Torah with Hashem and the Torah being an interface through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu communicates Himself to us. Anoichi, Rashatevis, Ana, Nafshik, Savis, Yahavis. God says, I wrote my soul down and I gave it to you. We should be Zochavez Rashem. Thank you so much for joining. I hope that you enjoyed. I hope you had a great week. We should be Zochavez to experience a beautiful Lichtig Shabbos full of light, connection, comfort, and, uh, and true Menucha. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, all of you, for joining. Wishing you the most beautiful, wonderful Lichtig Shabbos Kodesh. Kaltov, be in touch. Thank you so much, Chever. All the best. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Ashreinu.